Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission, to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number 1, this will let me know that you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest tonight is Jane Tabachnik, a marketer, buzz builder, and product creator. She's passionate about helping other entrepreneurs, coaches, and small business owners grow their businesses, and she has over 20 years mentoring entrepreneurs and startup businesses, creating innovative marketing and new product launches. A committed, lifelong recycler, repurposer, and serial entrepreneur herself, Jane's also one of the coolest people I know. You can learn more, more about Jane at janetabashik.com, and a few other websites we'll be speaking about, all of which will go on the blog, so if you don't worry about how to spell it. Jane, are you with us? Good evening, Andrew. Good evening. Thanks for the intro. Oh, my my pleasure. Uh, it's it's uh, it's really fun to have you on my show. It's fun to be here. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about. You and I, marketing, business, life. Like, where Bicycle. do we even begin? Bicycling. Oh, we love biking. But that's a whole other. I could do a whole show on biking. Indeed. So where should we begin? Well, first of all, I know that you were just accepted by something called the Founders Institute. So I, I thought I should acknowledge you for that, and then you, of course, you can tell everybody what that means. So thank you. Yeah, I'm like really it. excited. So um, the Founders Founders Institute is basically a startup accelerator. It's like a coaching program for startup tech companies. Hmm. So I'm going to be using it to develop my Pitch Blaster, which is a PR and social media tool. So lifelong student and um, coachy, is that such a word? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> coachy, it, I don't know, it sounds, uh, sounds kind of a, like an American Indian phrase. Let's go cheese. <laughs> I knew it was something. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's exciting, and, you know, it's great to have the um, like a mastermind group with other entrepreneurs in the program and to get some mentoring on this new product idea of mine. So it's exciting. That's very exciting. I, I, I love the whole – anything to do with social media I like, and uh, I'm, I'm not in the PR business, so it's kind of a family business for me. My, my brother's involved in PR, and my dad was many years ago. So I follow the uh, Harrow thing every day. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, it's a good thing to follow. Help a reporter out. Yes, indeed. Good resource. Very good resource. Um, and I, 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 I think I may have uh, uh, gotten one or two guests related to that. So it actually is a pretty, pretty good thing. Oh, by putting a posting on there. Yeah, or a finding something or where, I, where I responded to somebody else's. Yeah, yeah. You just never know what happens when you jump in there, huh? That's right. That that's kind of the magic, I think, of all of the things that we here do regarding social media and the internet. And there's so many 
there's so many things that happen out of almost magic. It's except true. That, except you probably have more insight into it than just magic. Because I think you're you're the magician. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, I just think they're great tools for connecting and really unexpected things happen when you connect with people and just jump in the conversation. So uh, if you're not using it, if you're listening and not using it, just get started. Or as my my mother would have said, shame on you. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Did we have the same mother? Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Well, uh, you know, I've said uh, that you and I are like separated at the breast, I think. Uh, We're we're what six months apart in life, and we're not gonna. We don't have to be more specific than that. And we're from the same neck of the woods, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we found a few connections along the way. Absolutely. So, uh, so you do all these really fascinating, amazing things, and I want to know. I want. You know, we've had conversations, but you and I will have to pretend that we've never had any of these conversations because the people listening have, weren't there. So I'll, I'll ask you to share a little bit about, like, how did you get to be who you are today? Where, where do you come from? What's your, what's your story? <laughs> oh, that's such a tough question. Well, um, I could say I'm a recovering fashion designer. That was my first career. So I spent some time in the fashion business. It was a lot of fun, and it was a tough experience. I got fired a few times. They decided the line wasn't selling, and so they said, designer, you're gone. <laughs> wow. So, um, Is that like firing I, the quarter, the, the the coach in a football game or or the manager in a baseball game? You know, it probably is. I'm not... I'm more of a hockey fan, so I, I can't say. But, it, you know, it's probably like that. Um, I also had knives thrown at me and hot irons by temperamental uh, people on the design team. So, you wow. know, it, a little bit of the Wild West in the fashion industry. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I had some great fun, and I launched my first entrepreneurial business in the fashion business. I had my own line of jackets. That was my first collection with some outerwear and had a couple of really nice runs with them till I decided to expand the business, and my first contractor ran off with all my samples and fabric, and that put me out of business my second or third season out. So, um, you know, you live and you learn. Oh, wow. But, it, you know, I just said, okay, step back and regroup and figure out how you can do it better the next time, and mm-hmm. so... You know, it took me a little while to raise the capital to get going again, but I did it and was on to the next collection. And, uh, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. I did that for a number of years until I decided it was time to be doing something else. And And what did you decide to do that was something else? Well, I took a look at what I'd been doing and what I enjoyed and what I thought I was good at. And I realized that that was marketing and promotion. When I had my own collection, being your quintessential entrepreneur, I wore a lot of hats. And mm-hmm. a lot of the time, I was also the marketing department, the publicist, et cetera. So I decided to pursue that. And uh, I haven't looked back. It's been really great doing marketing and publicity and 
product launches, and things really kicked into high gear when I discovered the Internet, and I just got so excited about the Internet and the possibilities that it could present and realized there was a gal geek residing inside of me. <laughs> okay. A surprise to, bit of a surprise to some folks who know me, but there is, and uh, I really like playing with technology and really what it can do for entrepreneurs, coaches, business owners, really taking the best of technology and making it a tool that's useful for efficiency, for marketing, and for growing a business. I, I just think it's phenomenal. And the same with social media, which is one of the reasons it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, just kind of stepping back a second, and you were saying how you were somebody who discovered that you really had a knack for the marketing end and the promotion and which is a really fortunate thing for somebody who has a business because I think a lot of people who have a business, they don't like doing those things. They hate it, as a matter of fact, or they're just not good at it. They don't know how. So what was it about it? Is there something that's transferable that you could say to somebody, this is what's great about it and how they might be able to get that if they hadn't before? Or is, that just, is it just a genetic thing that you're that person? Um. You know, I think it helps to have a, a predisposition to liking something, but I think mm-hmm. that um, I always think that it's one part mindset and one part skill. So I think having the right marketing mindset and feeling confident about it is a big help. Um, I, you know, I, I've encountered many entrepreneurs who I like to say think of marketing as a dirty word. It's you know, for me, it's kind of like accounting. It's something I just avoid and don't want to do, which is why mm-hmm. I have a really really good accountant who I just hand it off to. Pete, right. go take care of this for me. Thank you very much. So, you know, I think it's a question of first realizing it's not such a bad thing and finding ways to make it enjoyable. I mean, for me, it was really a, a, a question of being really curious and, you know, with marketing or public relations, I would get on the phone and you know, I kind of like people and finding out who they are. I think that's how you and I connected, in fact. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so for me, it was an opportunity to meet someone new and to find out about them and see if there was a fit for us to work together. And I've created some great friendships out of those forays, you know, just for marketing or reaching out to a journalist. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun for me. And it's not, you know, a smooth ride. You get rejected and you have to be prepared for that, but, uh, you know, you can't take it personally. It just comes along with the territory. But I think going out with that attitude of being inquisitive and just like we were talking about earlier with social media, you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily know what you're going to find, but if you're open to what can happen, I think it helps a lot. And then I think the other part is just really having some skills and having the right tools, and I think that's how I got involved in creating some of those tools because I see how difficult it is for some people to market themselves and their businesses and if there's a way to make it easier or or a technology and tool that helps then you know it's almost like the chicken or the egg if you have a little success with it you get a little more confident you're more comfortable doing it so sometimes a tool can help build the confidence and make it more fun Mm -hmm. but you know in my book whatever whatever it is that works for you and, and you know if you really don't like it that much then outsource it I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur or a coach, a small business owner, I think you really have to be doing some marketing. You can outsource all of it, but 
if you're not going to get to it and your business really needs it, then, you know, outsourcing is a really good way to go. So. And then how do you feel about the whole outsourcing uh, overseas versus outsourcing here? You're talking about politically or what works, what, you know, <laughs> is it is it really good value to outsource overseas? Does it work? Yeah, that's, I think that's, those are two different. Those they, are two are, different. they are two different sides of the of the story, and I've had I've had different conversations with people around either side of whether the does it, is it good and does it work, and also you know how how is that for America and all that kind of kind of fun stuff. You know, personally, you know, I try and do a lot of business here, but there are certain things for different reasons that. I do overseas, but, you know, I've had some disasters outsourcing things overseas, and while it may be cheaper short-term, you know, in terms of hourly rate, um, just the some of the language barriers and, uh, you know, time differences, miscommunications, cultural differences, mm-hmm. uh, for me, for my, uh, for my um, software development, it's not worth it. I've actually gotten so frustrated. I've bailed in the middle of two projects and just said never again. So mm-hmm. I've got a great developer in the Midwest, and yes, he's a lot more expensive than overseas, but he's also a lot more efficient. And when I speak to him, I really know that he gets what I'm saying. And you know, when he says yes, we can do that, I know that he means that. And uh, it's not to say that people overseas might say yes, we can do that and not mean it, but culturally. Some cultures don't like to say no, mm. and so you run into problems based on that. I don't think it's necessarily an intent to deceive, but that's where the cultural challenges can come in. So, you know, sometimes you have to try it and find out for yourself, but I, I learned and lost some money and some time on projects by, you know, trying overseas. So there are certain things I'm firmly committed to doing here. Yeah, I know. From speaking personally, you know, I I did create have have my most recent website created in India, and I think the key word from the experience is exasperation. Yeah. And it was just like you know, a few, at least on a few aspects of it, I wound up just throwing up my hands and saying, "Okay, whatever. <laughs> that's fine. That'll be yeah, okay, yeah. That's yeah, that's the color I meant." Um, so. Uh, I, you know, the, I mean, the price was ridiculous. Probably, you know, it's an amazing price. And, and if, if, if you're in a situation where your choices are limited, okay, then you have to do what you have to do. But I, I definitely would not be my first choice going going forward. And in fact, that website I'm not even showing anymore. I have I now have my website pointed toward you know my web uh, URL going to my blog instead of the website. But you still remember the experience and of the exasperation. <laughs> uh, well, every, like one of the reasons that that's true is because one of the part of the deal was that he was going to make it in this way that I, it should have been easy for me to personally uh, update, update it, it, and instead he used some format that I don't had no way of doing, and it's just now totally static, and certain things are just completely out of whack. And yeah, you know, no, we're just going to take it down and put, put up another one. That's another story, but that's related. <laughs> but so tell me about some of your tools that you've created. I'd love to hear some details I have. I know the Pitch Blaster and the Buzz Building Toolkit. So what uh, what are some of your great tools and, and uh, what are some <laughs> of the results you've gotten? Well, not that you've gotten, but one of the results that people have gotten with them. Wow. Uh, well, the first tool that I created was a tool called Sani Spam, which helped – 
get your emails out and alerted you. It basically scans your emails before they left your inbox to see if there are any words that would trigger spam filters. So it was mm. it was uh, client side instead of uh, a lot of those kind of tools are out either in your ISP or right. uh, you know in a different place, shall we say. So this was trying to address the problem before it even left your inbox and allowing you to correct it. So just a nice little tool. Uh, it's no longer available, but uh, I had a little patent pending on it. I actually filled out the patent application myself. I was pretty mm-hmm. proud of that. And uh, we helped a lot of people get their emails across, not spammy kind of emails, legitimate right. emails that sometimes get caught for whatever reason. So that was that was the first tool. And then um, the next tool was really more of a marketing product. It was called the Email Virtuoso, which was uh, an email marketing kit that had a tutorial in the form of an ebook, and then a bunch of templates for different holidays and events, like, you know, there'd be a template for a sale or a promotion or an announcement you wanted to make. So it was really meant to make it very easy for someone with a limited budget and perhaps without a marketing department to actually send out lovely email campaigns like they had a full marketing department. So it was like a marketing mm. department in a box. <laughs> and that's those are the kind of things I have fun with. I really had fun yeah. designing it and then creating all the different templates. Hmm, what could we use a template for today? So... <laughs> That was that was really fun. And lately I've been working on the Buzz Building Toolkit, which is basically a PR training and a set of tools in a box. So whatever you could need to do press and build buzz in a box. It's got both text and video training. I've gotten really into video, which has been a lot of fun, and I think it's really great for, um, for customers because people really learn in different ways. I mean, it's taken me a while, but I realize I really learn visually. Like if I read directions on how to install something, mm-hmm. I don't really process that. But if I see a video or I watch someone do it, I've got it. it. You know, it's like it's imprinted in my cells. And, you know, people learn in very different ways. So being able to offer them both text and video, I think, is really effective for people who learn in, in different ways. And some people just enjoy the video. It's a little bit more dynamic and we're getting used to seeing more and more videos so I think people kind of expect it and it's just fun to create <laughs> it's just I think it's sure. a lot of fun to uh, you know to figure out not just the images and the content but the pacing and hmm what kind of music would go well with that so mm. uh, you know for anyone creating a video I think it just gives you some creative outlet that you don't get when you're writing a blog post or something that's you know text oriented you just get to play more i think so and then the latest one that i'm working on is the pitch blaster and that's the one that i was accepted into this founders institute with and it's basically an online content creation platform and press room that both helps you write optimize your content like a press release or blog post for the search ends and search engine sorry and then publish it directly to social media all in the same interface so, so could you give me like a kind of a plain English translation <laughs> Sorry. of uh, of like what would, what would be a typical thing I might do with the Pitch Blaster? Okay, so if you wanted to create a press release for your next 
Blog Talk Radio Coach Andrew show, uh-huh. you could open up the Pitch Blaster once it's available. It hasn't launched yet. And you could say, I'd like to create this press release. And the tool would walk you through creating the release. <coughs> Excuse me. It would help you write a great, catchy headline, select the right keywords so that it would be more attractive for the search engines and get you higher rankings, which mm-hmm. would be more traffic to your site. And then it would help distribute it out to Twitter through an RSS feed. To, you could publish it to your blog and you can publish it in the press room on the Pitch Blaster site. Does it have a, a, a coffee-getting button? I was just going to say, and it makes coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Only espresso, mind you. Oh, but, okay. You, know. Fine. you might need <laughs> Stay some. tuned for version two. We'll hopefully add cappuccino. <laughs> well, I would think the, the espresso would go with the buzz-building toolkit. Ah, there you go. Okay. You see buzz and espresso. and I got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And you have a new, a new really cool thing uh, that I'm dying to mention. Okay. Dying. I'm dying to mention it. Can I mention okay. it, please, please, please? Okay. So you want to mention it or should I? Sure. Uh, create your first video today. Okay, there. I said it. Thank you. You're welcome. So as I mentioned, I'm pretty excited about video. When I mentioned this to Andrew, he was pretty excited. So I've been working on a toolkit to help people create their first video today basically showing them with tools they already have on their computer or they can download for free from the Mm -hmm. Internet that it's really easy to create a video. Of course, I'll make some templates so it'll be even easier to just plug in the content or images you want and run with them. But uh, I think it'll be a fun product. So, yeah, create your first video today. You know, I I recently, when I say recently, I mean June, I bought a, um, a a little high def pocket video camera, um, the Kodak ZI8. Mm-hmm. Really nice little little nice. thing. It looks like it looks Very like a nice. BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and people say, oh, nice phone. And I said, no, that's my video camera. What do you mean that's a, your video camera? And it takes really nice. I mean, I haven't figured out out how to attach a light to it. That's the only thing that seems to be missing, but. Um, I you know I shot a little video of myself singing that I put on Vimeo, and um, but that's that's as far as I've gotten. And I've been like I've been thinking I, I the reason I got it was not to make movies of me singing was it was to actually do things related to coaching. And I think okay, what do I do now? And then all of a sudden I'm hearing that you're coming out with the tool that I need. <laughs> this, that's why I'm so excited. That's great. I I just bought the camera and it's a, sitting here waiting for me to have a create your first video today kit to to go with it. Well, that's great. You know what? I make a lot of videos without a camera. You don't even need a camera to make great videos. So how do you like that? How do you make a video with a K? Uh, you trying to pull the wool over my eyes? No, not at all. No video. Me, me a video not of me though. Well. You you could put yourself in there. You you can do that. Okay. I, you know you can use a JPEG. It doesn't have to be you. Oh, so I can do like what's his name, uh, the uh, the Ken Burns style video. Okay. I take pictures and turn them into a video because that's that's like, I mean, that to me one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen is the Ken Burns documentaries on you know the Civil War and baseball, mm-hmm. the national parks, and mainly what he's done is he's taken stock photographs. Turn them into into movies, and then with the dialogue and little generic music, and like, but they're so great. 
Exactly. And they're really easy and fun. I'm telling you, it's so much fun to create these. So. Okay. Well, I, I even though I don't need a camera, I have one. I want to. Well, we can show you how to integrate that, but okay, I just want to make it really easy. I think it's really important just to get started and kind of like get your sea legs with making video and sure. you know adding good quality image like you're talking about attaching a light. You know, it is more complicated when you're trying to get the lighting and uh, you know maybe the framing mm-hmm. correct. So I just say start with without doing live video of yourself, and you know some of okay. us don't like to be on camera. So I think you can do a lot of great things, a la Ken Burns. I'm going to use that analogy. Thank you very much, Andrew. My pleasure. And still make great videos. And then when you're ready to add the camera or plug in just a segment that uses a live video, you know, it's easy to do. What cracks me up the most, I have to tell you, is people take videos. And it's great that people have gotten so comfortable just shooting and talking, but sometimes they're just really not paying attention to what's behind them. So (laughs) some of the videos you'll see, you know, either things are totally off center or it looks like there's a plant growing out of their head. So uh-huh. uh, that's just one of my amusing uh, things. Can you name what's in the background? <laughs> yeah, there's some actually fun things in the background of the little video I made. So you're welcome to uh, to watch that. And most of them you can identify, but we'll see if you can and- get them all. This is on Vimeo under it's Coach on Andrew. Vimeo, and it's also on my Facebook. So if you, but you have to okay. be on my Facebook to watch that one. But uh, Vimeo dot com, uh, which a lot of people don't know about yet, it's a, it's a, it's a video site, kind of like a little YouTubeish, but it's much more designed for like I think a little bit more of a branding type of, type of thing, and uh, it takes high def and has longer form videos available to you than YouTube does. And, and at the moment, it's not nearly as cluttered and crazy. So, yes, Vimeo.com slash Coach Andrew. And at the moment, I have exactly one video there, and that's me singing and playing guitar. Well, we should have a contest. Can we identify what's coming out of Andrew's head? <laughs> <laughs> the various things behind me. And it's like the fun thing is that like you, you, because I did it myself, and, and this was my first shot at it, and I put it on this little tripod, I, I don't think you could see the guitar at all. But you know I'm playing it because you see how I'm looking down and doing guitar-like movements, you know. Great. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I want to hear more also about your your product launches that you've been involved with. Product launches. So, you know, product launches, uh, I look at like a big party. So... Uh, you know, when you throw a party, unlike a regular marketing event or just a sale you're holding, when you throw a party, you would say to someone, save the date. Before you even send them an invite, you'd say, save the date. So that really puts someone on notice that something special is coming. It's kind of like saying coming soon before you really give them mm. too many details. So that's how you start to build anticipation. And a product launch is a lot like, I mean, I think everyone's familiar with the way Apple releases a product. And if you've seen the kind of crazy frenzy that happens as a result of the way that they do a product launch, people get online three days before and wait <laughs> outside in the cold, in the rain, whatever, to get the latest release iPhone when they probably have an iPhone already. Mm-hmm. So there's this incredible passion attached to it and uh, just this frenzy to buy. 
and to be there when the store opens or with a product launch, which often takes place online, the shopping cart opens. So it's a process for building a lot of excitement around a product, building buzz, having conversations, using social media, getting people to talk about the product, what they like, what they don't like, uh, to answer questions they have about it, and then having the product available for a particular amount of time with a number of bonuses or additional offers to make it more like a party. You're giving out mm-hmm. party favors or, uh, you know, someone might win the centerpiece that they do at some events. So it's a really fun way to grow a business and to make a lot of sales. The product doesn't have to be a new product. It doesn't even have to be a product. It could be a service. Um, I work with a number of coaches who launch programs as well as products, which could be like a DVD training Mm -hmm. program using the launch method. And it's an awful lot of fun and it really helps build their business as well as sell the product and usually attract new clients and new partners. And it might, you know, uh, in that process, get you some speaking invites. So um, I love it. I've had the fortune to do some offline launches. Like a, I worked on a product launch for uh, a new travel startup, and part of the launch was doing a travel trade show in Berlin and having a big press conference there. So it was an awful lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I get to work with clients from all over the world. I, this morning it was kind of funny. I spoke to Australia, which is 13 hours ahead. I have a client in Brisbane. And then I was talking to Vancouver a little bit later, and I've got like a time zone chart now <laughs> taped to the front of my computer because I'm working with people around the globe, and I'm learning a lot. Hmm. You know, my client in Brisbane the other day said to me, I'm going up to Noosa for the weekend, so if you don't hear from me, and I'm like, Noosa? She goes, oh, it's this great resort. So I had to check it out, and to say it's spectacular is an understatement. So I'm now growing my list of places I have to visit in this lifetime. So Noosa, which I'd never heard of before, is now on that list. And that's all through my product launch work. So it's a lot of fun. Have you ever experienced uh, either waking up or or being woken up by somebody because of the time zone difference or some other oh, yeah. type of time zone disaster? I've done it myself, and I've had it done to me. So. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's 3 a.m. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, it's not hard to do. And if you've yeah. ever tried to arrange a meeting with someone in a different time zone, they'll say, yes, let's meet at 3 p.m. And you're like, well, do you mean 3 p.m. Eastern or Pacific? And it, it can get very confusing. And, of course, dealing with a place like Australia that's 13 hours ahead, you when you mention the day, it totally screws things up right. because their day happened 12 hours ago. So... And then when you have, you know, also daylight savings time, which isn't uh, universal, and sometimes it's differently timed, you know, it starts here, and then next month over there, and and such other, my favorite one was I actually had somebody I was coaching uh, going back to India, I actually spoke and coached somebody in India, Um, um, and the the place he was in India was Chennai, India, was Mm -hmm. ten and a half hours ahead. I'm not how's making this half, up. I don't think they were half hour. <laughs> I, I don't know how, but it but it really was. It, they were a half an hour off, which might explain a lot about um, you know India. I don't know. 
I'm not sure what that means. But I don't know either. But we'll, you, you believe it or not, that's really funny. Yeah, ten and a half hours. So I mean, it was really like confusing, but it worked. I guess, I guess you need an iPhone app for that, and I'm sure there's a time zone converter app or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that could, that could, that could get you into some trouble. So I'd love to now talk to you about uh, one of your favorite topics. Which and one of mine is repurposing. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so repurposing for anyone who's wondering what the heck we mean, and I, actually, I should ask you what you mean. I know what I mean about that. Okay, answer. sure. It'd be funny if we we're talking about two different things, but right, that's okay. For me, repurposing is where any anything that you can take and find another way to utilize it and recreate it, resell it, re, uh, repackage it, use it somewhere else. Whether it's a you know a speech that becomes a CD that becomes a book that becomes a show, etc. That's what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Except uh, the way I started repurposing was taking objects that I found in, in my particular instance antique linens and turning them into clothing. That's actually what got me started ah. as a fashion designer. So my personal philosophy is that good design should be repurposed and never see landfill. We're having some sound difficulties right now. Did you hear that? No. Okay. It was like another... Someone repurposing the sound? Somebody was repurposing. It was like an operator somewhere. Are you on a... uh, What kind of phone are you on? A cordless. Oh, that's why. Sorry. I blame the cordless. Sorry. Oh, you know, I'm just like, noticing that there's uh, uh, somebody in the uh, in the chat room named Alter Ego Social Net who is <laughs> saying, "Do you know who this person?" Is? I not that I know of. Oh, who's saying, "I am a social network. I'm a social network. I make videos. YouTube does all of that." I'm just going to read what he says because it's kind of interesting. Wait, uh, connect YouTube with a Twitter account and announce that you're upload to YouTube on Twitter. I'm a social network. I make videos. YouTube does all of that. Connect YouTube with... Okay, well, he's basically just saying that. I don't know what he's trying to, <laughs> to say. If he's, Could it uh, be a bot? I, I don't know. Automated? Alter ego, if you're a bot, say yes. Okay, he didn't say anything so far. We'll see. Hmm. Anyway, I just thought I would share that with you. Every so often, I, I, should, I haven't checked to, to see if we have anybody on the line... We don't. So just to let, let anybody listening, if you're listening live, meaning today, Monday night, uh, the second to last day of August of 2010, you can call in 212, I'm sorry, that's 646-929-2893, and ask Jane a question. Okay, so getting back to repurposing. Yeah, so repurposing. So I started out, as I said, repurposing antique linens into clothing, and then I actually went to art school, and I would repurpose things into sculptures. So um, it's just a passion of mine to take objects and turn them into something else. And now with the recycling or sustainability movement that is, happening, which I'm happy to see. There's a good push to do that, and there are some really creative people who are taking objects, mostly waste, and turning them into other wonderful objects that we can use and keeping them out of landfill. Mm. So, 
You know, you I just gave really me a total exciting. flashback, Jane. You gave me a childhood flashback that I haven't thought about in many, many years. Uh-oh. Um, but it's a repurposing flashback. I'm not repurposing the flashback itself, but it is a repurposing <laughs> flashback. Um, with my little brother, um, uh, at one time, he started taking these, like, containers, uh, I think of, uh, like, cleaning stuff, like uh, you know, detergent for the wash and and he would clean them out and cut up, cut them up, and then he would like paint them, spray paint them, and glue things to them, and make them into these things, and then sell them to neighbors in the building. And I would like sometimes help him with it. It was just this little thing he—I don't know where he got it from. And that was the first time I ever encountered the, the physical repurposing. That's pretty cool. And we were—I think we were like seven or eight years old at the time. So. <laughs> That was your version of a lemonade stand. Uh, yes, uh, yes, we made uh, lemonades out of uh, out of detergent, <laughs> so to speak. But so you yes. mentioned. Sorry, I mentioned Andrew. You mentioned flashback, and a flashback is really a repurpose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. There's a whole. Uh, you ever watch Family Guy? That's the entire show. Is the, you know, flashbacks to things that never happened, but. Um, you know, my original intent, actually, with creating this show was a repurposing intent. And it's kind of evolved and changed over time, but this, that's still there. And I, I, I had, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to see a guy named uh, Mike Littman. Do you know who he is? I know the name. Really, really uh, interesting guy who uh, created for himself a coaching, a little coaching empire of sorts. Um, and he was a guy who had a little tiny radio show out in Long Island on one of these like five watt stations somewhere that had you know nobody listened to that he knew of, knew of. But he did a bunch of these shows and he would interview entrepreneurs and um, among them people like Bill Gates. He somehow managed to get some pretty big names on the show. And uh, he had these tapes sitting in a drawer uh, that he would tape all the shows, and he had these tapes sitting in a drawer or in a box somewhere. Um, and one day he, you know, talked about the outsourcing to India. He sent the tapes to India and had them transcribed. And then he made them into a book that he self-published. And he sold a lot of books. And then he turned the books into uh, a CD set and then a boot camp and a publish and a coaching workshop. And, a, you know, and I found him at, the, at a learning annex class. That's where I first heard about this. And I go, wow, that's like sort of, it reminded me of an old Mad Magazine thing where some kid wrote about, he wrote his, like, what, how I spent my summer vacation, and that later was, he turned that into his college thesis, and then a book, and then his whole career was based on what I did in summer camp when he was, like, you know, 10. And that's a great, great story about repurposing. Mm. Because with the need for content, you know, if you're... A, whether you're an entrepreneur, a, you know, a blogger, a publisher, a coach, you need to have mm -hmm. content. So being able to repurpose your content mm -hmm. is really valuable. And, you know, back to what I was saying before about how people learn in different ways. If you take something that was an article or if you take, as you said, a, a radio show and transcribe it, someone who's not an auditory learner will prefer to read it. So giving people those options really helps reach more people 
And uh, it's interesting, the perceived value of the same content in different formats. So text is the least valuable. So if you were pricing a, a program, for instance, I always find this fascinating. I don't know if you want to hear this, but sure. I always find it really fascinating. If you take the same content, if you were to write an ebook, for instance, say that the value of that would be $19, if you turn that into an audio program, whether it's download or something that you actually mail someone a physical CD, mm-hmm. then the value can quadruple or even more. And then when you go to video, it goes up again exponentially. Same content. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so... Good to know, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think, and people, um, especially people who are in the kind of service professions like coaching and training, um, who who may not necessarily see when they're first getting going the what's available. They, if you think if you're thinking strictly in terms of I'm coaching somebody, they're paying me for my time, and that's what I do. That's a you know, pretty limiting view. Whereas you can take this, this you could do something once and 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 theoretically uh, get paid on it many many times, which is the best way I think. I agree. <laughs> you know, and I like That's doing leverage. Both. It's called leverage. You know, and I and I love coaching people, and yet if, if that's the only thing I were going to do. That would be, you know, that would be a lot of uh, hunting, so to speak. It's true. It's also, it puts you in what a friend of mine likes to call trading dollars for hours. Yes. And it's not a scalable business model. No. So. It's only as much time and energy and that you have available and, and opportunity to do it. Doesn't leave much time for bike riding. Does not, and and that's you know, and, and that's one of like one of my two passions uh, that I'm currently really involved in, outside of professionally of biking and singing. And doing them at the same time. Yeah, you are like the singing cowboy. I'm the you know I'm the <laughs> horse. I'm like the I'm the Roy Rogers of the bike world. <laughs> you know, you know, of course, anybody under the age of. Uh, I don't know what was like a, who, Roy Rogers. Is, is, he makes sandwiches, right? Yeah, they, he's like a roast beef guy. I'm, I'm not even sure if they if that's still around. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Roy Rogers and and uh, and his and, and his talking horse. No, he wasn't a talking horse. Roy Rogers and Trigger, the singing cowboy. Or was that Gene Autry was a singing cowboy? They both were singing cowboys. I don't know. I thought you meant that guy in Times Square who sings in his underwear. Oh, I was getting the, nervous the naked, that you were the naked that's cowboy. That's the naked cowboy. Sorry. Uh, and I actually did did snap a picture of him. Uh, it's, it's on my Facebook. If anybody hears on my Facebook, and you have nothing better to do, you can find a picture of the naked non-singing. Actually, he is a singing. He does have a guitar. I think. He does. Guitar and tidy uh, whities. positioned. <laughs> it, 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 yes, it's a very well placed uh, guitar. But we digress, don't we? We do. It's just a new. He's a New York fixture. So. So what's uh, what's the next big thing for you? The next big thing. Wow. Um, I don't know. You know, it's kind of crazy. I'm going back to school. This Founders Institute. I feel like I'm. 
going to be taking my MBA this fall, and I haven't been in school in a while, so I'm really excited and a little bit nervous. You know, I don't know how many hours of homework it's going to be. But. And what's the what's the setting? Is it, a, is, it a, is it a classroom? Is it a virtual? How does it work? Um, I think it's a conference room in uh, a fancy law firm. Oh. <laughs> Someone is, who okay. donates the space to the uh, you know one of the mentors actually mm-hmm. is donating the space for us to meet. And I'm sure there'll be some virtual mm-hmm. communication in between meetings. But we actually meet in person. It's kind of cool to. The Institute actually takes place in a number of cities around the globe. New York is just one of them, but they have them in Europe and um, on the West Coast and a bunch of places. So, Now, if you, if you were going to bring uh, a lunchbox to school, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I, I really like the old-fashioned tin lunchboxes. Uh-huh. Even though she was before my time, I really loved Betty Boop. So... I'd probably get a tin Betty Boop lunchbox, and what would I put in it? Um, I'd probably have a veggie wrap and some celery sticks and carrot sticks, which would be really noisy to eat in public, but at least it's not like onions and something that stinks up the room after you've you've eaten, Um, and maybe something to share with my schoolmates. Or to trade. What would I trade? Um, Well, if I'm packing it, I'd probably like everything in it, you know, but I'd probably pack something healthy like nuts and raisins. So if someone had a little small chocolate bar, I might see what I could do about trading the nuts and raisins for the chocolate. What would you bring in your lunchbox? Oh, you know, uh, some say a sandwich and, and some fruit, and probably a chocolate bar too. And but maybe maybe something else that I could trade for, like maybe not a non-food item, like baseball cards or something. That's a cleaner thought than I was having about what you could trade. Oh, well, you know. But I better not. I, the I family not. show, I tell you. But exactly. I don't know which family, but that's a... It could be the Manson family, but it's, it's, it's a family show. <laughs> so we're not going wherever it was that you were going. I'm, I'm sticking yeah. with the baseball cards. I was having these very clean thoughts of going, you know, my my school. I think of... Because as soon as you start talking about going back to school, I'm thinking about... Number two pencils and book covers, and because right now it's like that school supply time, and people are going buying school supplies, and I used to love doing that. Do you think sixth graders are really thinking about the laptop they're going to get or the, the probably, iPad instead of a yeah, pencil and a notebook? They probably they probably like, what's a pencil? <laughs> it does make you wonder, but I know what you mean. It, that there is something great about that August or September trip to the store to get your supplies and, you know, a fresh pencil case and all those sharp pencils. Um, there's something, I don't know, maybe it's just nostalgia. It's that, that kind of eager moment before before school starts and before you remember how much you don't want to go to school, but that for that moment that you, wow, I have my pencils are all ready and, and I have, all my books are covered and it's all exciting. That kind of SpongeBob, uh, I'm ready, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Yes. So now would be a good time uh, to start uh, telling people what you're, you know, where to find you, what to sign up for next, what, where can they see you, all, all these good things. 
Where can you find me? Well, you can go to janetabastnik.com, and as Andrew said, it's on the blog in case you're curious about how to spell it. Um, you can go to the buzzbuildingtoolkit.com, and the video program, where did we say that was going to be? Create your first video today. Mm-hmm. Dot com. So that will be coming soon. Don't be surprised if it's not up yet, but that's but, in but the But if work. you're listening to this in the future, which you probably are, way back in September 2010, this product launched. Exactly. I love saying things and, like that. And you can connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm there, and I occasionally tweet at LaunchGal. LaunchGal is your tweeting tweeting name? That's, that's my tweeting name. Very, very, very nice, and 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 just think of I mean, what your your what your grandfather started when he made that soup company. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cute? But no relation. Yes, I know. But it's because that's the first thing I when I first met you. That's the first thing I I thought of. I know. And I still think of it, even though I know you have no relation to Tabashnik soup. So you have a warm association with me. Yeah. I like that, Andrew. Yes, it's, a, it's a warm. Association with croutons, <laughs> which is a very, very, very good thing. It okay. is indeed. So, is there anything else you'd like to to uh, tell tell me about? Because we we still have a little bit of time left. Well, I'd love to talk about your search for the perfect bicycle. <laughs> Seriously. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's see if we can like you know social media our way into this. Uh, I've been on a mission. Uh, I, I started getting really, really excited about the idea of a folder, a folding bicycle. And folding bicycles are these things that people used to look at, like, what are, on earth are those things? And in the past uh, maybe 10 or 12 years, they started getting much better. And the, and the companies that were making them started making much better bicycles. And, and even not even... I mean, it turns out there's a company in England called Brompton. They make a handmade bicycle over there that's uh, quite regarded. And it folds up so small that you can just about put it in, a, in, a, in, in your backpack. And, and it rides. You can ride it anywhere. That's you can, incredible. You can take it on the bus. You can put it on a plane. There's one called the Bike Friday, which is famous for these. Uh, they, they, they have these um, suitcases. You know, regular, what's that brand, the famous... Uh, tourister or... Yeah, and like, like a tourister, that, that kind of a kind of a thing. Um, and the, the, it has built in, inside you, you take out these wheels, and now the luggage becomes a trailer that attaches to the bike, so that, like, say you took the bike on a plane, and you get off the plane, and you take the suitcase off the plane, you t- open up the bike, you put it together, you t- attach the trailer, with, which now has your other suitcase on top of it, so you can ride away. You don't even need a taxi. I love it. And uh, you know, and I know you're really uh, into things green, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the biking is very, very green. It's a very uh, environmentally friendly. It's a, it, you know, every I have a you know, one less car shirt that I have somewhere. And I'm not like one of those guys, you know. You know what I mean. One mm-hmm. of those, like I'm not one of those people who talk about this stuff all the time. I just love the idea of biking. But it does, I, I do know that when I do that, I'm, you know, that's my my little contribution. 
That's great. I've actually seen some bamboo bikes. Bamboo bikes don't sound like a good idea. You know, they don't, but, you know, bamboo is actually stronger than steel, I'm told. They actually use it for construction, for bridges and things, so... uh, I don't know. It just seems to me like it's going to hit it with a hammer and it's going to have a hole in it. I don't know. Uh, Or, you know, you, you, you... you know, somebody lights a match or something, and next thing you know, your bike goes up in flames. And just it, it doesn't strike me as a practical uh, uh, solution, but you know, who knows? I'm I'm open to to any possibility. I don't see a, fold, a folding a folding uh, bamboo bike would be very no, fascinating. Maybe, maybe not a folding one, but you know, in certain third world countries where bamboo is available and uh, you know, they have an abundance of it and the ability to produce them there. It actually is, you know, win-win. They use local materials and create jobs, and then they have transportation. So, uh, How about a, a bamboo penny farthing? Excuse me? The penny farthing are those those old bikes, you know, with like a huge, huge wheel and, the, and then a little wheel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, those are called penny farthings. Could work. They're not know. practical, but by excess, but they don't make them anymore. Um, so, what's going to be the deciding factor on the bike you choose? What's the most important criteria? Well, I'm I'm sort of torn because I I, I can go really tiny with the like the Brompton, and I've been looking at the Dayhans and the Bike Fridays, and I I read an interesting blog post today that I found on there's this. Um, I think it was like a lesbian bike blog, believe it or not. <laughs> not making this up. I, Sorry. I, it's a lesbian bike blog. And okay, but it happened to be the, the the woman whose blog it is wrote about an interview with a with a with a folding bike enthusiast who had recently bought a Brompton, and it turns out she'd been looking for two and a half years. I mean, she thought, first thought about this for two and a half years ago, and she's been like driving herself crazy trying to make up a decision for that long. And she's gone to all the same stores I've gone to, and you know, gotten the test rides and just doing all the same research. She actually makes this pretty much the same ride I do because I ride on the uh, the bike path on the on the west side of Manhattan on the Hudson River uh, almost every day. So, um, so she's. Ex- She's already done what I've been doing, and the deciding factor for her in a big way was was that because she's going to fold it every day, she said she bought a, she wanted a bike that would really hold up well to doing that. And some of the bikes that she was looking at, they were perfectly fine, but they 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 had a reputation for if you constantly folding and unfolding them, they don't seem to last that long. And these and just last weekend, I ran into this. Woman on along along that very bike path, sitting down with a friend, and they had a Brompton parked there. And I I stopped and said, oh, "Tell me, how much do you love this bicycle? Tell me about it." She said, "I love this bicycle. I've had it for 20 years." And she went on and told me various stories about it. She says, "Would you like a ride?" I said, "Yeah." And so yeah. By the way, total in, stranger, total stranger in Manhattan. Let me ride her, and I'm going to tell you that this bicycle. Um, is you're gonna pay like anywhere from thirteen hundred up to like the really amazing ones, the titanium ones are like twenty five hundred dollars. I'm not getting that one, but this was uh, <laughs> not a cheap thing. This was to, to, trusted a total stranger, but that's the kind. The Brompton people are 
are almost cult-like in their devotion to this bicycle. And just goes to show how friendly New Yorkers can be. You know, some people think we're not, and those kind of things only happen in the Midwest, mm-hmm. but... But it's also, just to bring this full circle, uh, it's also an example of of buzz and it's an example of marketing because that turns out Brompton is a bike, you know, it's a high-end bike. It's a bike that gets sold more by people who love their bike, telling other people about this bike that they love than any other reason. This is not the level of devotion, let's say, in the Dehan world of folding bikes. People don't say, I am so in love with my Dehan. They just don't, you know, say, oh, I really like it. This is great. I love, I'm so happy I bought it. But they don't, you know, there's this crazy ride in England, the Brompton uh, Classic, I think it's called, all these people ride, thousands of people ride a Brompton bicycle in a business suit, suit and tie. That's That's like the whole thing, the crazy English humor. They've created brand evangelists. That's awesome. Brand that's evangelists, like, exactly. That's like the ultimate, you know, having people who are just so passionate about it that they'd give a stranger a bike ride and be happy to talk about it for hours on end. Yeah. And uh, see how I was able to turn this uh, seemingly unrelated conversation about bikes into uh, into a conversation about marketing. Indeed. So, so Jane, we're just about uh, out of time. I want to, first of all, thank you so much for spending uh, a good hour of your time with me today. It's been great. When are we going bike riding, Andrew? <laughs> uh, as soon as possible. That's like as soon as the show's over, we're okay. getting, we're going biking. Okay, we know we're not going to do that because it's nighttime here. Um, but yes, and once again, people can find you at. JaneTabachnik.com on Twitter at LaunchGal. My product launch blog is Exceptional Launch. Or they can find me through Andrew, Coach Andrew. Excellent. Find me through Andrew. And you can find me, Coach Andrew, at www.myfuturecoach.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. And we will be back next week with Dr. Donna the author of Real Leaders Wear Pink. And everyone, thanks for listening. We're going to have an outstanding next seven days. I'll see you next week. Good night. Good night.